Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Can I say thank you to Dave and Annabelle for leading us in worship so well? That was beautiful today. Worship was great. We're so blessed to have a great worship team at this church and also our production team, Keandre and Jackson and Joel. Great job and Matt on broadcast. Thank you very much, you guys. It makes a massive difference having incredible worship. Thank you, Jolly, for playing. That's great. Hey, if you're online, we want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us today. We pray that this message is a blessing to you. Before I bring the message, I want to bring a challenge to you um, around your giving. We don't talk a lot about finances and giving at, at LifeGate. Um, you guys are very generous and very faithful, so thank you so much. But in Life This Week, each week we put it up there, and there's two ways to give, through the box at the back, the little letterbox, or online. And at the beginning of every year, people make decisions around what the year's going to look like, when we're going to take holidays, what our plans are, what we're hoping to achieve. And I wonder if, you, if you've considered your, your, your giving to LifeGate Church and to God. In May, we have our May Mission Month, where we raise a whole stack of money, for Transform Cambodia and SRE in schools. This year we're going to add Youth Alive to that. They do a great, a great ministry with young people. We're really excited about that. And then you have, that's May, and also you have your weekly giving. And as you're preparing this year, I wonder if that's something that you've thought about, that's something you prepared. You know, in the Old Testament, God talked about making your giving the first fruits, meaning the first thing, the, 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 the first that, when you get your resource, the first thing you put aside is that money towards God. And so often people go about life and they pay the bills and they buy, and they buy this and they do this and they say, how much have I got left? Um, that's what I'm going to give to God. But it went the other way. There's this principle of, God, what do you want me to give first? And then we'll work out the rest. And there's this principle in scripture, and we see it over and over again, that as we honor God with our finances, he looks after the rest. So there's a challenge for you today. As you plan for the year, as you make goals, as you set up holidays, as you work out what you, what you want to do, let me, to, let me encourage you to consider your giving. No May Mission Month is coming. Get a figure in your mind, May Mission Month, what are we going to give? But then your weekly giving, what do you want to do there? And be obedient to God. And as we do, he promises to meet all our needs according to his riches that are in glory. Let's pray and then we'll dive in. Father, I want to say thank you for the provision of this church that you have Blessed us with many people who give um, generously. Thank you for every person that gives, Lord, in this place. Father, as we come to a new year, may you guide us in our giving. And may you put in our hearts what you want us to give. For our weekly giving and also May Mission Month. And as we come to your word now, Father, we ask that you guide us, you speak to us, that you challenge us, that you renew our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today... I want to speak to you on this topic. Don't allow your emotions to rule you. Now, when I did this in the first service, I had people nudging and bumping. I had it here too. A few people looking around. Um, so it's obviously something that connects with people. The message is don't allow your emotions to rule you. You know, life happens to us and circumstance happens. And we, and we get ourselves in situations and we have an emotional response. And that's normal. And an emotional response is normal. We respond and we feel all these things. But then what we do with that, we need to make a decision to make sure it's godly and what Jesus wants us to do rather than just saying, I feel like 
So I'm going to, you might go, I feel like, but God wants me to be kind and forgive and, 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 and be generous, yeah? So that's what we're going to look at today. Um, when I was 16 years old, um, I was madly in love. I was um, year 11 at school and I, I went away with a whole bunch of kids, a bunch of guys and girls, not a smart idea, but a whole bunch of us went away to a caravan park together. And I was madly in love with this girl and we are dated for a really long time, three weeks. Um, and and uh, during that, 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 that time away, she kissed one of my friends uh, and, and, and broke up with me. Jackie broke up with me. I have to delete that from the recording, just in case she's watching. And I was heartbroken. And I was in pain. And what does a young, I think I was 17, what did I say, 16 or 17 about there? What does a young 17-year-old do when they're heartbroken and they're in pain? Well, they run. So I left the campsite and I ran to the beach, no doubt in tears and all these emotions. And, and I found those treated pine circular fences that have a beaches. They go up and across. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you do. And what does a 17-year-old boy do? I'm angry. Bam, bam. And I didn't break any knuckles, but I ripped all the skin off my, my, my knuckles. And at the time, it felt really, really good. And then about 30 minutes later, I went, oh, what have I done? What have I done? Because in that pain, in that hurt, I reacted in a way that maybe wasn't not, not that clever, not that good. And in life, stuff happens. People break up with us. People drive, road, um, drive in front of us and break when they shouldn't break and cut in lanes and, and people say horrible things about us. And life happens and we have all these feelings and emotions within us. And we've got to be careful how we respond because if we respond simply out of emotion, we can hurt ourselves and hurt more people compared to thinking, all right, God, I'm feeling all these things. How should I respond right now and respond in the way that Jesus wants us? To respond, um, there's, this, there's this picture that I've put on the screen called the emotion wheel. And in the center, you've got the comfortable emotions, and on the left of that, you've got the uncomfortable emotions. Around the comfortable emotions, we have happy and loved and confident and playful. On the other side, embarrassed, angry, scared, sad. Then it goes out even further about all the different emotions that we feel in life. It might be a bit small for you to read it, but there's so many things up there. So let me, let me ask you, how would you respond, how do people respond if they are feeling angry about something? Yell it out. How could you respond if you're feeling angry about something? Cry, yell. Cry, yell. Hurt, people, hurt, people. hurt people, hurt people. I'm angry, so I'm going to hurt you now. Someone else? They're pretty good responses. How about feeling frustrated? You're feeling frustrated. How do people want to respond? Give them a head slap. Slap them. How else, do you, how, how else do you want to respond? Come on, I can't hear. Revenge. Go for a walk. Did someone say go for a walk? That's a good answer. Yes, Margaret? Oh, good answer. Feeling frustrated, go for a walk. What if you're feeling happy? How, should you, how could you respond? Go shopping. What else? Hug. Hug somebody. How else? Dance or sing. How about if you're feeling loved? Go shopping. Loved. How do you respond? Sorry? 
Make, if you're feeling love, make love. Yes, make love. We're going to talk a bit more about that today, Angie. Great. What else? Show love back. Yeah. You might give someone a gift or say nice words to them. How about if you're feeling scared? How might you respond? Hide? Shame. Withdraw? Great answers. Last one. If you're feeling confident, how do you respond? Sorry? Take risks. Great answer. You step out. Yeah, you're more open when you're confident. I agree. Really good. How do you feel if you're driving in the car and some idiot just cuts in on you? How do you... Res- now, I'm, I'm, because you guys are Christians and been renewed by the Holy Spirit and you're full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and plenty of self-control, how do you respond when that idiot cuts in front of you? Give him the... Ah, wind the window down, you press the button. You're a... Ah. How, how do you... Do you chase him? What do you do? You pray for them. What a Christian answer. Stephen, what did you say? I want to correct that. Okay. You think you're aware of them and you think about what you're going to do and then you relax and then That's you're right. Right. Good. Marcelo. Oh, you can tell them that they're going to leave their friends because they don't Ah, you can make the same mistake as them. Good answer, Marcelo. So we have all these things, but how we respond may not be the way we should respond. How about if someone um, out of the blue just comes up and gives you, a, gives you a gift and says, hey, I just think you're great and you've been such a blessing in my life and I really want to honour you today. Check for Greeks. Check for what? Greeks. Greeks. Uh, beware of Greeks very gifts. <laughs> There's a story about that back in history. How else could you respond? How else could you respond? Hug them. Thank them. Maybe buy another gift, give them a gift, encourage them, good. Today we're going to look at a person in the Bible who's one of the heroes of faith, King David. And King David was a man who's described as a man after God's own heart, like he's described in such incredible ways. And he wrote most of the Psalms, these songs that we have. And if you do daily devotionals, people often go to the Psalms and they're songs from his heart about his depression and his joy and all these feelings that he has towards God. He makes declarations about who God is. He's a really um, powerful king and one of the great kings. He was a great leader. He, he, he led um, the Israelite army in battle, and there's songs written about him. Saul slayed his thousands. David slayed his tens of thousands. He's highly regarded in the Bible. And yet, there's this season in his life where he makes some dumb, dumb, dumb decisions. And as I say that, it makes me reflect on my life. Because I want to be a man that honors God and I want to serve God with my life. And there's times in my life that I've made dumb, dumb, dumb decisions. But the thing about God, he's the God of the second chance. And we mess it up and we recognize it, we confess, we repent. And God says, I'm not finished with you yet. I began a good work in you, I'm going to see it to completion. I'm talking about the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11 when David's on his rooftop at night time, so he's got out of bed, maybe he can't sleep, and he's walking around his rooftop and he sees this woman bathing on another rooftop. And it all goes downhill from there. So let's have a look at this text. It's 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2. It says, One evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. 
from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. How do you think David is feeling right now? Now, this is a G-rated service, everybody. So how do you think David is feeling? Give us some words to describe how David's feeling. Someone in the first service said um, he feels tired because he got out of bed. <laughs> how else is he feeling? Attracted. There's a word. Another word? A little what? A little randy. Aroused. Excited. Yeah, he's feeling all these things. Now, what should... Remember, he has these emotions, right? Now, what, how should David respond right now? What should he do? Go to bed. Now, has he done anything wrong so far? Nothing wrong. Sorry? Go play his guitar. Go play your guitar. I love it, Marcel. Write another song. Go write a song. So, so David's done nothing wrong so far. He's on his rooftop, and he happens to see this beautiful woman. There's nothing wrong with that so far. But then, if he went back to bed, all good, jumped on his guitar, all good. But look what happens next. And David sent someone to find out about her. Now, maybe he thought she was single. And maybe an option down the track, maybe. The man said, she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife, wife of Uriah the Hittite. How does David feel right now? Disappointed. There's a word. How else might he feel? Doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't care that she's married. How else could he feel right now? Envious. There's a word. Yeah? Sorry? Covetness. I want that. How should he respond? He feels all these things, but how should he respond right now? He should feel guilt. Yeah, he could be guilt. But, how, but what should he do? You go, that's the end of it. He's, she's married. It's all over. There's no future here. That's how he should respond. Yeah? But look how he responds. Then David sent messages to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. How does David feel right now? Whoopsie. How does he feel right now? What else? Exposed. There's a good word. Guilty. Carrying shame, carrying guilt. And it's interesting when it says, she came to him and he slept with her. Like there was many steps along the way where David could have went, no deal, this is over. Like she came to the house. Doesn't say, but most likely you just don't go straight to the bedroom. There's like dinner. There's drinking, maybe. And somewhere along that way, he could have said, no, nah, you need to go home, you need to go home, you need to go home. But he kept going down this road because of how he was feeling and he was making dumb decisions based on all these emotions and hormones and his typical stupid man brain. She could have. She could have. But, what did you say? Great. Melody said, but there's a power dynamic. He's the king. And if the king says, you're coming, guess what? You're coming. Yeah, she has to go to the house. And she would have been, we don't know, but massive power imbalance. He's the bad guy here. He feels shame, he feels guilt. Now, how could he respond in this moment? The woman's pregnant, how could he respond? Great, take responsibility, talk to the husband, I've stuffed it up, I've done this wrong, I'm really, really sorry. And there's going to be consequences of that. 
Because when we own up, there are consequences. Sorry? He could have been stoned, yeah. Under Jewish law, he could have been stoned to death because of adultery. But he doesn't take responsibility. He covers it up in just the most... Anyway, it gets worse. So what happens is this. David says to himself, she's pregnant. How am I going to cover this up? I know what I'll do. I'll get her wife. So where's, where's the husband, by the way? He's at war. So he's gone to war, representing David, fighting battles for David. King David, Uriah, he's at war. And David has the idea, if I get Uriah home, he hasn't seen his wife for ages, the first thing he'll do is find comfort with his wife and we'll assume that it's his kid and everything will be fine. So he invites Uriah back and instead of Uriah finding comfort with his wife, he sleeps at the, on, the, on the front doorstep because his argument is, how can I possibly go find comfort with my wife when all my mates are at battle? I'm going to honour my mates and not find comfort with my wife, so I'm going to sleep on the doorstep. David hears about this and goes, oh no, the plan's not working. What am I going to do? I'll know what I'll do. I'll get him drunk. So he invites Uriah home, puts a big feast, gives him all this wine, gets him drunk, and says, now surely he will go and find comfort with his wife. But again, Uriah doesn't do it. He sleeps on the doorstep out of honour for his mates. And nothing happens, and then David goes, oh dear, what are we going to do? And then David has this wicked thought. He has this wicked thought, he says, I'm going I'm to have him killed. So he, so he sends Uriah back to the battlefield, and he sends a message to Joab, who's the leader of the army. And he says to him, send Uriah out into the front line where the battle is the fiercest. And while the battle is raging, tell the other men to withdraw so that he's on his own. And guess what happens? He's killed. So, you, so King David... The man after God's own heart, the man who wrote the, the, the Psalms that you read to have your time with God, adultery, and just had someone killed. This is what it says in verse 14 and 15. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is the fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. And that's exactly what happens. How does David feel now? Uriah's dead, relieved. How else does he feel? More guilt, maybe. Maybe. He had a man murdered. Yeah, he could feel more guilt, could feel relieved. We're not sure. It doesn't tell us. And then you know what he does next? He takes Bathsheba as his wife into his home. And everything is, seems hunky-dory until, until Nathan the prophet Turns up. Next chapter. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. How does David feel in this moment when the prophet of the Lord has turned up to David? No doubt sometime later. How's he feeling? He could feel busted. I don't think he does based on what we're about to read. He could feel upset. I reckon he feels excited. The, the, the word, God's, God's man has come. I'm going I'm to get a word of the Lord. God's going to bless me. God's going to increase me. He's going to tell me about my great future. That's how I think he feels. But we, again, we don't know. And this is, what, this is what he says. He came to him, David, Nathan came to David and said, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. Who's the rich man? Who's the poor man? Uriah. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one ewe lamb. Who's that? 
Bathsheba, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and he, and he brought it up, and he grew up with him and with his children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb, he took Bathsheba, and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger, response, emotion was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. How does he feel now? Busted. Definitely. Guilt. Shame. Oh dear, what have I done? Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You've struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house. Here are the consequences for his sin. Because you've despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own household. And his, and his kids let a revolt and let chaos after this. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of his son. For you did it secretly, but I, but I, will, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. David said to Nathan, Stuff you, Nathan. I don't care what the Lord says. I'm going to do it my own way. Oh, Nathan, it wasn't that bad, was it really? I was in a really difficult time in my life. Which leads me to think, what was going on in David's life for him to have an affair with another woman? Because he had lots of wives, right? And, and, and he knew it wasn't his wife. What was going on in his, what was going on in his world that, right then? Because we know that when people are under pressure, when there's a lot of stress over a long period of time, People make dumb decisions. I wonder if we had someone to talk to, someone who could hold him accountable, someone he could go to and say, hey, I've stuffed it, or I'm really struggling in this season. I'm tempted by lust in this season. Can you really help me? I reckon David was in a season of a whole heap of stress, and he saw Bathsheba as a get-out-of-stress, feel-good moment. And we need to be careful in our moments of stress. We need to be careful when there's a lot of pressure on us, because that's when the enemy likely comes and goes after us. 40 days in the desert, Jesus fasted. And that's when, after Jesus hadn't eaten, hungry, that's when Satan came at him. Look how David responds. Verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He owned it. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. The Lord has forgiven you your sin. Nevertheless, because of this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. This child who is born to you shall die. 
Then Nathan went to his house. And we know if you keep reading that the baby died and David wept and sackcloth and ashes and wept and was in a really dark, deep place. And then eventually he came out of it. And then the irony of the story is that he marries Bathsheba, Bathsheba, and then he has another kid with her. And that kid's name was, he became the next king of Israel, who is through the line of Jesus. So in David, Solomon, and then whatever happens after, I don't know, can't remember. God takes people's wickedness and wrongdoing, and in his sovereignty and in his magnificence, he redeems it, he changes it, he fixes it, and makes it right. And he uses it for his purpose and his glory. As you sit here today, I reckon you've had your King David, King David moment. It may not be as extreme as that, but you've had King David moments. You've got a heart after God. You pursue him, you love him, and you want to live a life that pleases him. And yet, there's been, there's been seasons. Because this wasn't a one-day thing for David. It would have taken a while for Uriah to come back and then to send Uriah back to the army. This would have been a few months, I would say. And then Bathsheba had to find out that she was pregnant. This was a season in David's life where he really got it wrong. He really did. But that wasn't the end of his story. Because we see here, God forgives, God sets him up, and he continues to be king. And the message for you today is that you may have seasons that are rough, and you may have got it wrong. But do not allow that season to define you. When you got it wrong, don't allow it to define you because God is a God of forgiveness and God is a God of second chances. If I invited a preacher today who's had an affair and had someone murdered and, 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 and I had him come and preach, and let's say if I invited one of our... Should I say this or shouldn't I say this? No, I'm not going to say it. I was going to use a name. But I'm not going to use a name. If I invited one of those high, you can put, you can insert names. If I invited one of those high, high-profile pastors who've been, been, been booted out of their church recently, write a list, to come and stand and preach this message, how uncomfortable would you be? You'd be squirming in your chairs. And yet, King David did that, and we have half the Psalms that we read in our quiet times. And God speaks to us from those things. God is the God of the second chances. God is the God of the third chances. God is the God of the fourth chances and fifth chances. No matter what season you're in, turn to him, repent, and allow God to restore. What he, allow God to restore and make whole. Amen? Jojo, come. Ben, please come. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self, self-control. Self-control. When we are feeling all different types of things, God wants us to have self-control. Three questions to finish. As life happens, as we see the naked girl bathing on the, on the rooftop, when we have the person cut in front of us in the car, 
when someone speaks down to us and pulls us down, when those things happen, ask the question, how am I feeling right now? And you might feel angry, you might feel excited, you might have all these feelings, and those feelings are normal. The next question is, how do I want to respond? I want to send a text message, I want to pop them, I want to give them the bird. How should I respond? Is about saying, God, I want to live a life that pleases you and come under your authority. As we come to the end of this message, I want to give you a few moments just to reflect and to pray. And bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to give you some time. Give you some time just to reflect on just to reflect. And to pray. In this season, you might be one of those seasons like David, you're in a shocker. Or maybe there was a shocker in the past. And you need to repent, and that's simply confess it as wrong and say, God, I'm sorry, I want to live differently. I encourage you to choose that now. I want to speak over, speak over you today, church, that God is the God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance. And what you've done does not disqualify you from serving him to being accepted by him. If you come to him in confession and repentance, he is faithful and just and will forgive you for your sin and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. That is the God that we worship. If you're sitting here and you feel condemned today, let me tell you, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you feel stuck, there is freedom for you. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, and the Spirit of God is within you if you're a believer, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is a way for you to get free from that bondage, that struggle. He is the God who renews minds. And if your mind is not in the way it should be and you need a renewed mind, He can do that. He is an incredibly great God, and we worship him today. Let's stand, and let's just thank him for the, being the God of the second chance. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.